0: Our next lesson comes to us from the book of Deuteronomy. I'll be reading from the 26th chapter, the first 11 verses. I invite you to follow along in your own Bible if you brought it or in a pew Bible if you did not. And let us listen again for the Word of God. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it, and settle in it, You shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my, fo- was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. And then you together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let me say a word of welcome to all of our members and visitors online who are worshiping with us by way of streaming this day, we're glad that you have joined us. The scripture lesson that you've just heard is the recounting of an ancient ceremony that goes back thousands of years, really, until when the Hebrew people actually entered and settled in the land of Canaan that had been promised to them. This is the ceremony that the Lord addresses to the people that they should begin Through the words and the instructions of Moses. Originally, this was called the Feast of Weeks. It's been called different things throughout the scripture. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as the Feast of Harvest or as the Day of First Fruits or as uh, other things. But eventually, it came also to be associated with the giving not only of the land, but the giving of the law. And it became Pentecost. And it came 50 days uh, after Passover about the time of the final grain harvest uh, for the season season originally it was a community celebration the whole community was come was to come together and i didn't really think about that till i was working on the sermon this morning and thinking about the whole community coming together tomorrow night here celebrating thanksgiving and god's many gifts to us as a community as well as to individuals as you might have guessed this Ancient service in Israel has become foundational for us in Western civilization, at least. At this time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, there are harvest festivals all around the globe. This is one of the earliest harvest festivals we know, but the festival of first fruits. A time for the people of God to stop and assess the blessings that have come their way by the Lord God and how they are to respond by giving the best of what they have to honor God. And express their gratitude. This is in the stretch of the imagination to say it's probably the first annual celebration of stewardship. Because it's intended to be a celebration if you look at verse 11. The whole community is to celebrate the giving of what God has given to us. The return of a portion of it. Of course this is commitment Sunday in our congregation. When people make their commitments After prayer and consideration for the work of the church in the coming year. Committing this year not only their financial resources but their time, their talents, their commitment to worship, their commitment to study and personal growth. Their commitment to sacrificial service in the community, in the church and beyond into the world. It is intended to be a time of celebration. And I know a lot of people question whether or not stewardship is anything to celebrate. It's not the most popular day for many people in the life of the church. I heard one person uh, describe providence as missing one Sunday out of the year and finding out later that was the day the preacher gave his annual giving sermon. Uh, I don't know about that. But at any rate, a lot of people don't associate stewardship with celebration. Uh, It seems odd because unfortunately for many people, stewardship is a downer, not an upper, it may be a practical necessity, but it's not viewed as a joyful privilege. It may even be a necessary evil, but not a chosen or a preferred good. But today, we, I want us to celebrate our ability to give, our capacity to give, our privilege of giving. And I want to take you back some 3,500 years in the life of God's people to look at this ancient ceremony because I think we can find some clues in this text which will remind us and convince us of what it takes for our giving to really be a celebration. And the first thing I would point out, and have you noticed in the scripture reading, is that our giving always follows God's giving. God gives first. There's a prior giving that takes place before we're ever asked to do anything. And that was the case with Israel. This ceremony was not to occur until after the people had settled in the land. And after they'd even had their first harvest. Only then, in light of the fact of what God had done for them, they were to give in response so this is to say that our giving is reciprocal. It's derivative. We give because God gives. And One problem I have with a lot of what takes place under the title of stewardship among many preachers and many churches and much that I see on television. Is that people say that if you give you will be blessed. Give because you're going to be given. That turns biblical stewardship on its head. That's not why we give in order to be blessed. We give because we are blessed already. God blessed the people. Then he gave them the opportunity to respond. You and I will never be in a position to outgive God. We will never be in a position to earn God's favor or warrant any kind of reward from God because of our generosity or our faithfulness or our commitment. And we can go beyond what the Jews had to be grateful for. Not only their redemption from Egyptian captivity, their deliverance through the waters of the Red Sea, and now they're being given a land, an identity, a heritage, a law. But we have the Savior, too, to add a new dimension to our gratitude. And we look at that central figure on the cross, on that hill called Calvary. And if we realize that he is there in our stead, indeed we have much for which to be grateful and much To realize was the gift before God ever asked anything of us. So our giving, if it is to be a celebration, is always reciprocal. It is always derivative. Theologians speak of something they call prevenient grace. Prevenient grace means that God's giving goes beforehand. God always takes the initiative and acts and then invites us to respond. When we've been looking at the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, God doesn't give the law to the people until after he has already delivered them. He didn't say, okay, you keep the law, I'm gonna rescue you. No, he rescued them. Then he gave them the law. This is how I want you to live in response to what I have done for you. So, celebration, if it is, so giving, if it is a celebration, has to be a response to what God has already done. Secondly, if our giving is to be a celebration, it needs to be marked by genuine gratitude gratitude and so that the people would never forget that this was to be their motivation God gives to them a creed to recite at the time of their commitment probably the oldest creed in the scriptures my father was a wandering Aramean and he journeyed down into Egypt and his descendants became enslaved there and they treated us harshly and we cried out to the Lord and he heard our voice and he came and he delivered us with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and he brought us through the waters of the sea and now he's given us this land. Gratitude for what God had done. Gratitude is not only the chief need for a faithful stewardship. I believe that gratitude is the most distinguishing mark of the Christian life. Our giving should be in response to our gratitude to God. And only then can it become a cheerful act. The New Testament says God loves a cheerful giver. That's the case. Now the church will take money from a grouch, I want you to know that. <laughs> but God loves a cheerful giver. And your giving will not be cheerful unless it's in response to God, unless it's in grateful response to God. And so many people give today because they think they have to, they ought to, they'll feel guilty if they don't. They give because of pride, my family supports this church. They give out of sense of obligation. They give out of fear if they don't give. And I'm not saying that any of those motives don't enter into our giving. But until our giving is prompted by genuine gratitude, it will never reach the point of celebration. It will never be the kind of giving that God would have us to give. We look back and we see so much. You know, in the short time I've been at this church, I just marvel at the blessings God has poured on this community, on this congregation... So much to be grateful for. Sometimes I think we can begin to take it all for granted. and We can just assume if the church has always been here, it'll always be here. Not so. If the current and future generations don't respond in gratitude and commitment, the church will not be here. So it falls upon us to do what we can in light of the goodness and grace and generosity of God to us. When giving is a celebration... It is not only reciprocal, it is not only prompted by gratitude, but it is a part of our community life. It is a communal thing. Notice that the whole community gets together for this event. Even the the aliens who are residing in their midst. It wasn't an occasion just for Jewish people to celebrate, but for the whole nation, the whole community. Our giving is a communal act as well, and it's evidence When one examines this text. Now I know it's not so evident. In the English translations. Of the Bible. But if you look at the Hebrew. It's going back and forth. Between. First person. And third person. It's going back. From I. It says I on one occasion. And we. It says my. And then our. It says me. And then us. But both singular and plural. Are used here. Now in the. English word you it can be either singular or plural so you don't pick up on it so much but if you look at it in the Hebrew you can see God is saying to the people it's not just your individual blessings it's our blessing together what God has done for this congregation for this community for this nation for this world how do we respond as a people and not simply as individuals And fourthly, if our giving is to be a celebration, it is not only reciprocal. It is not only prompted by gratitude. It is not only a communal act, a corporate thing that we do. But in the final analysis, it has to be a priority in our lives. We are to give of the best that we have. The first of our flocks, the first produce of the land, the first of our paycheck, the first of our investment returns. God puts a claim on the best that we can offer. And unfortunately for too many people, that's not a part of their giving. They give what remains after they've already taken care of their own needs. I remember a story from my childhood about a little boy Tommy that was given by his mother two nickels on Sunday morning. And he was to take them to Sunday school. And if he went to Sunday school and stayed for church, he could contribute one of the nickels into the Sunday school, offering the second nickel he could use to buy a candy bar on the way home from church, back when you could get a candy bar for a nickel. Well, he was running out of the house all excited to run down the road to the church, and he slipped and fell, and one of the nickels rolled into the storm sewer. And he looked up at heaven and said, Oops, sorry about your nickel, God. (laughs) You know, it's funny when it's a child, but there are Tommies sitting on pews all around this congregation and all around this country and in all of our churches. And that attitude is much more entrenched and not so amusing for adults. But it's a sad fact that that's the way a lot of people give. We take care of what's going to please us, take care of our needs, our desires, and then if we have any left over, we'll give God a tip on the way out. That's offensive to God. There are many churches in financial plights, many Christian ministries that are suffering, simply because so many so many people who think they're servants of God think of God only as an afterthought when it comes to the commitment of their mon- their monies, their time, their talents, their interest. This morning we celebrate our commitment. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the life and work of this congregation. And what we're doing is based on this ancient ceremony. Where God's people have done this throughout the ages. But verse 11 reminds us. It is to be a community wide celebration. It's to be a blessing for us and for all others. We bring to God our best in gratitude. For what God has already done for us. And the fact of the matter is our giving will never be a celebration until it is a response to God's first gift to us unless we give out of a sense, a profound sense of gratitude. Unless our gifts are communal in nature. And unless our gifts reflect the best that we have to offer, our very first fruits. It's my prayer for us today and always that our giving in this congregation will be an occasion of great celebration. And now we're preparing to bring forward our commitments. There will be baskets that are held down front. You will be ushered forward by rows and you're reminded that uh, you can place in the basket not only your commitment card for the life and work of the church and your involvement in it coming up in the next year But also any offerings or gifts that you may have brought to contribute this morning. And we're going to sing a hymn that's based on this ancient ceremony from Israel. When those of old their first fruits are brought. So we will sing this hymn. It's printed in your bulletin for your convenience. You don't have to carry your hymnal hymnal with you. But you can carry that sheet. Uh, Let us proceed and let us bring our best to our God.